0: Hello TravCast listeners. Today I have with me Rob Drummond, who is an award-winning playwright, performer and director who's worked with some of the most prestigious theatres in the UK. He's currently under commission to us here at the Traverse, as well as with the National Theatre of Scotland, the Royal Court and the Royal National Theatre. Rob's previous work includes Mr. Right, Rob Drummond Wrestling, Bullet Catch, Quiz Show Uncanny Valley and Infidelity. And as we record this, Rob has two shows running here in Edinburgh, the noirish thriller Grain in the Blood, which is his second play for us here at the Traverse, and the musical The Bruins, his stage adaptation of the iconic DC Thompson cartoon strip. Rob, thank you for making time for us in the midst of all this uh, amazing work you've got on. Oh, no,
1: thanks for having me, no problem. Um,
0: And listening to that little potted biog I I gave us there just to kick us off, it sort of sounds like form is kind of at the heart of a lot of what you do. There's self-performed work, there's uh, work with the audience at its heart, Mm. and there's the well-made play.
1: Yeah, I like to take a genre that already exists and then tear it apart and present it in a a fresh way to the audience. Um, And I think it's quite a nice thing to do because the audience go in thinking they know what sort of thing they're watching, they know how a quiz show should go, so we're all on the same page from the very beginning. And then you have fun by pulling the rug out a bit and, and um, you know, confounding their expectations.
0: But it feels like uh, as well as kind of testing the audience or playing with the audience, it's it's yourself you're testing a, a little bit in terms of getting under the skin of those forms. Yeah. And genre, I think, is a, is a problematic word because I think it can often be used dismissively oh it's a uh-huh. genre piece yes um but certainly I think in some of your work there are nods to genre and there's a there's a, a real understanding of genre and what a a proposition of say a thriller or for that matter a yeah. cartoon strip um, <laughs> and, and what it says to an audience what it brings with it
1: yeah I mean I, I grew up watching uh, I th- I think I learned to write watching sitcoms myself um and so i I didn't watch a lot of Theatre growing up, I, I watched films and TV, um, and especially genre films like horrors and thrillers, um, and it re- they just really captivate me. So um, my aim in my work now is to try and present something that's, I suppose, quite populist and quite you know entertaining, but also is saying something. Um, so it's trying to bridge the gap between the two passions in my life, which are. Trashy, trashy horror films <laughs> um, and really intelligent kind of um, polemics or something, you know, I, I really want to do both, I'm, I think I'm just greedy
0: Greedy and hungry for variety. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, yeah I, I like every show I do to be completely different I think I've said, maybe even on this podcast before um, that Hitchcock um, the Hitchcock quote, um, he said if you've got a style that's just self-plagiarism um, and that really stuck with me so he tried to make every one of his films slightly different um, in feel and tone, and that's what I try and do. Every, every new piece of work needs to be different than the last, um, otherwise it's just self-plagiarism.
0: That's uh, an interesting proposition for for a writer and a maker. That's quite a a provocative challenge.
1: It's only going to last so long and then I'll have to recycle. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so much you can do.
0: So you've already tested yourself to learn magic and to become a wrestler. What's next?
1: Um, Oh, I really want to do ventriloquism. I think that's that's a really interesting form to use. Um, Me and a puppet on stage, um, I don't know, exploring different, sides of your own personality, maybe. Um, how we're not just one thing or one person. Um, and, I'd, and I'd love to go... I mean, it's been long enough now since I've done the magic show. I'd love to go back and do another magic show as well, but completely different in some way. Because um, I feel like I learned a lot from that process, and I, I want. I, I think I'd be better at it next time.
0: And given all of these kind of... Uh, Competing interests that you have, and and actually we were talking last night at the opening of Grain in the, the Blood uh, in Traverse One, uh, just about the sheer volume of work that you mm. have on, which is a fantastic thing for a writer, obviously. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there must be a, a challenge in that with that variety, and that you're you're pushing form, you're exploring the role of the audience yeah. in work, and how, what's the what's the discipline? I suppose is the question I'm getting at mm. that enables you to work to well, that capacity? Well,
1: um, I, I should probably take on less. Um, I, 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 kind of, I get too excited in the early stages, like when someone proposes something to me. If I really like it, I just say yes, because I'm, I'm so excited about doing a new project. Um, but I, I'm, I'm beginning the process of, of starting to be more careful with how much I do. But I do think that having so much on keeps you sharp, um, and there's no, there's no time for having a lull. And sometimes you'll be working on one project, um, and you're you're thinking you're working on that project when really you're working on part of your brain's working on another and by doing by solving a problem in one play um it unlocks something in another one, so they all feed into each other um, so can
0: you give us some examples of that i mean i'm just thinking um back to this August, for example, mm. when um we were weeks away uh, from starting rehearsals for grain in the blood, so there were maybe last minute tweaks to the script for that, and uh-huh. uh, our director orlo Lachlan was casting the show, meanwhile you were uh, performing in a brand new show, yeah. Infidelity, yeah. Um, and the musical The Bruins was also about yeah. to start rehearsals, so what are, the, what are those opportunities to problem solve well, and to allow things to feed into each well, other? Well I
1: can't remember specifically, but we were in rehearsals for Green in the Blood, and I was only in for the first three days, and something, a topic was brought up in the third day to do with ethics or morals or something like that, maybe to do with um, um, th- you know, whether or not it's, it's ever right to kill someone or, or bombing um, Syria or something like that. Um, and I found myself on stage the next night talking about that subject with my with my audience for infidelity. And it somehow fed into this idea about cheating on someone, you know, whether it's whether it's ever right to, you know, what, what what are the levels that we are what what do we allow ourselves to do and justify it in our own minds. And somehow from cheating on someone we got to talking about Syria and I realized it was because we just talked about it the previous day. And that show was very interesting because it it's usually quite a light-hearted, funny show, infidelity. And for that Two minutes, it became really serious, and the audience really enjoyed that because I think they they kind of uh, they they got off on the fact that, that a very light-hearted, funny show had suddenly become serious in an instant, and then we went back to the the jokes. Um, and so, so again, that's
0: there's a, something about that wrong-footing or playing with yeah, the audience. In absolutely.
1: That. It's meant to be a fun date, and then suddenly we're talking about bombing Syria, um, <laughs> which which was which is nice, and it's it's um it's good that you can a play can contain both those things. Um, and then I've got, when I'm writing the Brunes, of course, you'd, you'd think there'd be no link between that dark material and something so so light and so um, you know, or, or family friendly. Um, but there's loads of little things like like I, I, again, I can't remember the specifics, but it's something to do with f- fixing a problem in Grain in the bl- Blood" script, like cutting a line that wasn't needed, that made me realise that there was a similar line in the Bruins that wasn't needed, or a similar half page that wasn't needed because it was. Because of course I wrote them both, so there there's bound to be similar problems. Because I'm not a perfect writer, obviously, so there's <laughs> bound to be there's bound to be similar problems that I make in both scripts. And by finding one, I found the other.
0: And actually, it, it's interesting that you raise um, that thing about the the moral question, and that is um, what's at the heart of of grain in the blood. But it also feels like that's something that recurs in your work, a, mm. a moral dilemma, a moral proposition, yeah. um, that even in something like Bullet Catch, there is the the question of um, of asking another person to hold yeah. a gun yeah. which feels and looks very, very real and point it at the face of a performer yeah. yourself who's been nothing other than mm. kind and generous mm. and warm over the course of an yeah. hour, and to ask them to pull a trigger and to invite them to think about what that means and what that feels like and similarly infidelity I suppose
1: yeah I I mean I like I I mean even
0: aside from Syrian conversations
1: (laughs) yeah no I mean infidelity is inviting two strangers who've never met to come up in front of the rest of the audience and have a date so it's I would say that's equally nerve-wracking to to holding a gun at someone because you kind of know the guns in some way must not be real there must be a, a gimmick involved because you're not going to kill me. But in the dating show, there's no gimmicks. It, it really genuinely is a date for all intents and purposes. It's two people who've never met getting to know each other. That's a date. Um, I really enjoy um, the grey areas where I'm not sure whether or not I should be doing something or whether I should be talking about something or whether it's right or wrong. To, and we talked about this yesterday, actually. Um, I, I, like the, I like saying things on stage that feel like I shouldn't maybe have said them. And I really get excited when I hear, like, stand-ups or, or uh, TV shows dealing with a topic that we don't openly discuss, and doing so in a way that feels um, wrong. Um, and, I'm, yeah, I, I'm thinking about a new play where, we, where we, we, we do talk about things we shouldn't be talking about on stage. Yeah.
0: And again, to come back to this question of the audience, because, as you say, infidelity, it's inviting two people to come together on a date in a sort of public forum. Mm. But actually, part of your format for that was to invite them to think about their own moral choices and questions as a means of establishing what they might or might not have in common.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that it's very rare that you'll get a couple who who work and last, who 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 disagree wildly on big ethical questions. Um, it's not impossible, but if you disagree on all the big issues like abortion, death penalty, um God, um morality, you know, if you disagree on all of those, you're gonna have big problems. So it was a nice way of just starting to see who whose ethical and moral um Centres were aligned, Um, and of course, sometimes I just picked the hottest couple. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not. That's that's very rarely that was the case. It was it was more about um, finding two people who who I instinctively thought um, fitted together. And it's weird. I think anyone can do that. I don't think it's it's a particular skill that I've got. I think anyone can see two people and just there's just something, and you just go right. Yeah, that might that might work.
0: So. I mean, what are the ethics of that? And I suppose I I don't mean just in relation to infidelity in that specific situation, but involving an audience in um, either the the formal Hmm. conceit of your play or or actually in the big ethical question at its heart. What are the ethics for you as a as a performer, as a writer, as a theatre maker of of making a piece of work? um that involves an audience to that degree? How um, do you take care of them or how do you think
1: Well, about them? it's it's a rule I've got that, that nobody's forced to get up on stage um and nobody's made fun of. Um and I think if you if someone's making a free choice to participate and you make it very clear that they're able to sit down at any time they want with no um hard feelings, then you're doing really everything you can to make a dangerous situation as comfortable as possible for them. I don't really like theatre that that steps over that line of, of making people do something and making fun of people So and, they, and then they leave and you don't know where they're leaving to and what frame of mind they're leaving. So I also make sure I catch up with the people who volunteer after every show um, and I spend time with them in the bar or wherever the venue is. I make a point of spending time with them afterwards to make sure that they're in a good frame of mind leaving. Um, and after that, I really can't, it's not my, I'm not, I'm not responsible for other people's decisions and happiness. But I am responsible for what I put them through on stage. And, and therefore, I need to find them afterwards and make sure that they've enjoyed it. And if they haven't, I need to make sure they're leaving at least with um, some reassurance that I'm, I, I'm sorry about that, you know. And, and yeah. And nobody's ever regretted doing, a, a, not a single show I've done involving an audience member, I've ever had anyone at the end saying, I wish I hadn't done that. So hopefully I'm doing it right.
0: It certainly sounds like you are. But then equally, how does it work for you, the performer, the theatre maker, the writer, if the audience don't perhaps give you what you're hoping for or what you're expecting? What does that do? Or how do you create a piece of work that can withstand that? Well, if if I'm
1: in the show, I can problem shoot it right there and then. If I sense an audience member isn't happy or if there's too much noise in the audience or people on their phones, the style of theatre that I tend to perform in, I can just stop the show and go, what's going on? Are you alright? And I love those moments of those shows because they become undeniably live and people, people can be assured that they're not rehearsed because it's different every night. Um, but if I'm watching a show I've written that's a, a play that, with a fourth wall, it's much more difficult for me to sit there and when when I when I see someone not reacting the way I want them to <laughs> it's much more difficult to sit there not being able to do anything um about that um but I I don't know I I I think that's why theater is better than film because you have those moments and it makes it live and the actors I I, I used to think when I was performing that I, my job was to not react to the audience and just do my job and say my lines but working with better actors than me because I'm, I'm not really an actor I'm a performer of myself um, working with proper actors I've learned that that's not true it's to actually react to noises in the audience and let it affect your performance in a very subtle way because every there's no point in pretending you haven't heard the guy drop his phone because we've all heard it so the right thing to do is to is to use it in the performance and I love that
0: and given the passion with which you've just spoken about, the possibilities, uh, the the unique possibilities of, of theatre as a performer and as an audience member, actually, mm. uh, and just uh, from what you were saying earlier about your sort of um, early influences being about popular culture, being about film and television and, and those sort of um, big shared yeah. uh, populist cultural reference points, what was it? that brought you to theatre? That enabled you to find what you've just been talking about?
1: Um, well, I loved Francie and Josie. Um, Jack Milroy and Ricky Fulton. Um, they, there was a, it was a kind of you know, old-fashioned Glasgow variety act and my grandparents took me to see the final performance they did in the King's Theatre. Um, and I didn't know who they were really and I didn't appreciate that I was watching the final performance of these two legends. But I just remember looking around and seeing the audience reaction and that's something you don't get with film and TV and just seeing these two men with the audience in the palm of their hands and that was the first moment I thought "Wow, this is exciting Um, but it wasn't until university, that that would have been about eight years later, um, that I I started to write and of course at university there's a student theatre society and it's quick and immediate and you can put a play on in two weeks whereas if you're in the film and TV society well, you, I mean it takes forever, <laughs> so I was just impatient and greedy and hungry and so I started writing and putting plays on with a st- with student theatre at Glasgow um, I'm actually doing a workshop for them next week which is really nice, I was the president of student theatre for a year um, and then I realised a bit too late that this is what I wanted to do for a career and I decided to go to the RSAMD as it was called at the time and do their one year postgrad in acting, I still thought I might be an actor at that point and luckily for me they didn't offer it that year they didn't offer the course because there wasn't enough foreign students up taking the course and that's how they fund it um, so I didn't have the option of acting and so I had nothing and I just thought well I'll need to just make this happen myself so I started writing and sending my scripts to places like the Arches and you know Jackie Wiley who's an amazing decision that she's just been um, declared the, the National Theatre of Scotland's new Artistic Directors unbelievably brilliant brave decision um, different it's really exciting um, and she was the one who really gave me a chance to, to try out stuff at the Arches, which then got seen by theatres with money, <laughs> which then led to me getting my first commission. Yeah.
0: So ultimately it's about it's about an immediacy of, of feedback almost. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. about the turnaround time for being able to put work on yeah. as a theatre maker well, I, and yeah. that audience interaction.
1: Well, I would love to have a position at a theatre which is kind of like the court jester, so when something happens in the news, I go away and make a theatre show about it in a week, and then it's and it's on the stage the next week. So that there's something that happened in the news literally last week that we we're watching a play about the week after. I would love that. I think that's 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 the the kind of end game of this immediacy of theatre. Because at the moment, um, something will happen in the news and I make a play about it. It's on a year and a half later, which is fine and great. But imagine you could do even quicker. I don't. I don't. Maybe I'm just. Um, I'm impatient, I think, and I get bored easily. So, yeah, I I need a new project all the time.
0: Well, we'll look forward to seeing whatever that new project is. Rob, thank you so much for making time to come and talk to us. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.